episode 20 today. Oh, fucking hell. Before we even so you've got no coffee. Jesus Christ. Even every time. We need to change the name of this podcast. But it's episode 20, and today we're going to take the piss out of diets don't work culture. Because they fucking do. They do. And I fucking, I hate that sentence. So this, the, the, the idea for this podcast came when Jack was ranting about this ridiculous book that he's reading. And we've got an excerpt. Is that the word? We've got an excerpt for you all. This is the book. If you're watching it and not listening to it, and if you are listening to it, not watching it, it is Motivational Interview in, in Nutrition and Fitness by Dawn Clifford and Laura Curtis. Dawn Clifford is a PhD and registered dietitian, and Laura Clifford is a master's, has a master's in nutrition, sorry, and is a registered dietitian as well. Um, and the, the book's just got a load of nonsense in it, basically. And that's what sparked today's episode. <laughs> so read us the passage. So, so there's there's two bits, and I can't find the second bit, so we'll come back to that one. But it, it, the second one is essentially the they referenced one singular study, um, saying that diets don't work. For anyone who knows how how research and reliable information works, one study is not enough. You can make one study say whatever you want it to say you need to have multiple studies by multiple different people and the more information that you've got the point in the same direction then the more reliable that information is one study saying diets don't work is not to be all and end all of diets don't work however that's what sparked the episode the the sentence that really really sparked my anger and i stopped reading the book i got 31 pages in and mm-hmm. stopped reading the book after reading a sentence because i was just like i'm done I'm done. This book's nonsense. Nutrition and fitness professionals often believe people are responsible for their own weight. Yeah, yeah, I do. I wholeheartedly believe from the bottom of my soul that you as a human being are fully responsible for your own weight. I'd go further to say that you are fully responsible for every single thing that happens to you in your life. It's your existence. You control your body, your mind, and what you do on a daily basis. Things impact that and affect that, but you are in control. Mm -hmm. So that's where I drew the line. Yes, I will argue till the cows come home with anyone. I don't care if you've got a PhD. Or a or a masters, you're like so. Your what GCSEs? Your chatting shit. Full stop. Full stop. I think the to play devil's advocate, although I completely agree with you, there is some sort of. I think some people think differently. So, like me and you, we see oh the situation we find ourselves in. Potentially, you've had an upbringing where your parents are both fat you were eating chip food, you've grown up in a poor area where there's only access to fast food, you're in a rough area so you don't walk anywhere, you don't walk to school when you're a kid and you've just grown up with these habits and you're obese and you've got now got these lifestyle habits. It could be argued that the situation you find yourself in <coughs> has made you obese, has made you fat, has made you unhealthy and has developed this unhealthy lifestyle. Ah. 
I wholeheartedly agree with. Mm. Environmental factors, socioeconomic factors, your upbringing, the people that you are influenced by, your friends, your family, all affect your weight and your ability to lose weight. But you're still responsible yeah. at the end of the day. Like You have to take responsibility for your life, no matter what. No matter what situation you find yourself in, it is, at the end of the day, your fault. And it's your responsibility. To, if you're not happy with the situation, it's your responsibility to get yourself out of it. So if you are finding yourself in that situation where you're obese and it's because of all those factors in your life leading up to this point and you realise, right, I'm not happy with where I am, it's therefore your responsibility to not sit there and mope around like a fucking muppet and decide, right, today I'm going to make a change in my life that's going to bring me to a more fulfilled, inspired version of myself. And therefore, once you clock that in your brain and you take responsibility this is my this is my responsibility this is my life i can i'm in complete control of it if i want to transform my physique i can do that i'm in complete control once that clicks in your mind and you take responsibility the the game is completely changed we live in we live in a in a in a blameless culture like we i read that book um Black Box Thinking by Matthew Syed that spoke about this, that was basically like we as human beings and the way our psychology works, we'll never ever blame ourselves for something going wrong. Mm. Um, and it's like a deep-rooted part of our brain that we, we don't um, until we learn, until we figure out that we're wrong, mm. we can't be told that we're wrong by someone else. Mm. So this culture of blame-shifting like taking the responsibility of your own health and your own weight off you and putting it onto, well, I don't know who, I don't know who the people in this book think is now responsible for their weight. If that person isn't like, I, this is what I mean. If, if you're no longer responsible for it, then we're well, not going to do it about it. Are you? Mm. I said to you, right. Okay. All your bills, they're my responsibility. I'm going to go out and earn loads of money. I'm going to pay all your bills for you. Not your problem. Are you going to work for money? Are you going to actively hunt down money to pay your bills? You're not, are you? No. Because it's not your responsibility. Mm -hmm. so if you shift that weight responsibility off a person who is overweight, and we're, we're talking mainly now about people who are overweight and obese, mm -hmm. if they're no longer responsible for correcting that and improving their health, they're not going to do nothing about it, are they? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It, 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 we're in, we, there's, there's, a, there's a, a lot of people with the victim mentality where they just think that life is victimising them and loads of shit's going on. And it's just they're completely just on this ride and they're out, it's out of their control and they're just fat and that's what it is. Or not even that they're fat. We can, we can relate this to, to the average person. Like you might just be sat there thinking, oh, I've got bad genetics. I'm quite skinny. I can't grow muscle. Well, no, actually, you can. You just need to fucking take responsibility, start educating yourself, maybe get a coach, start investing in some education for yourself, invest in yourself, learn how to eat properly, learn how to train properly, go and fucking do it, and you'll grow muscle, and you'll take control of your life. It's completely within your control. And obviously, in that book, they're talking about obesity, but it's the same with, with anything. Like, build the muscle if you're skinny. It's the same with if you're poor and you want to make money. It's your, it's you, it's you, you can do that. If you're dumb and, and you don't know anything. Yeah. If you like, oh, well, I'm dumb. Yeah, I didn't go to, I didn't do good in school. So I'm, I'm just not going to be good. 
yeah. we're not going to go out and learn new stuff. Like I yeah. done A levels and stopped, and then during and well, I done GCSEs during the army, and that was it. I was like, don't need education. Going in the army, going to shoot stuff. <laughs> Got become like a real grown up adult and realized, well, I actually, probably do need to learn some stuff. If I didn't have that belief system of well, I actually need to go and learn stuff, and I just believed I was dumb, mm. I wouldn't be here arguing the a, a, a PhD and, and masters registered dietitians are wrong because I would I would believe that I was stupid. Mm. The, there's a there's a line I love and I think I've said this to you before um, about accepting responsibility for your life and accepting that you are in control and that only you can can make things better. Your amount of suffering, the amount of suffering in your life is in direct proportion to how much you resist the way the world is. Yeah, heavy that. I love that, eh? I love that, yeah. that quote. We, I don't think you've, I'm not sure if you've said that quote directly to me, but we've definitely spoken about this before. I remember we were stood outside my car for about an hour. Yeah, <laughs> this this exact topic. It's like if you, if you can accept that shit's hard and life's hard and life will punch you in the face every now and then, and accept that and just roll with the punches and try and fucking move forward every time you get the opportunity, life's actually quite fun once you once you accept that. Whereas if you're thinking every time life throws a punch at you, oh, life's fucking trying to trying to beat me down. It's like <laughs> this happens to everyone. Like just yeah. get on with it. It's part of life. Just crack on. Stop being a fucking mucker. Stop moping around. Roll, roll, slip the punch and fucking throw a right hand back. Just do something. Take action. Like it's 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 forming part of the post I'm actually about to write after this. Um, I started writing it before we started recording about the habits of happy people, um, and and what daily habits and weekly habits people who are genuinely happy do, and and part of the caption is the if you don't feel happy what are you doing about it yeah like we don't all feel happy all the time because you, you probably have something wrong with you in your brain if you were just running around like <laughs> laughing your head off smiling all the time and like your house is burning down behind you but how long are you going to sit in that unhappiness so yeah. i say to my clients all the time if they've had a bad day or like they've had a bit of a meltdown or just like it's something stressed them out. Like they've argued with their partner or like they've gained weight this week and they're trying to lose weight, whatever it is. I say, okay, great. Go and have a little moment. Go and be angry. Go and have a cry. Go and be frustrated. Go and sit and wallow. But cut that shit out. Go and do it. Allow it to happen. Feel a bit shit. But then draw a fucking line and be like, right, okay. Fuck this. I don't yeah. want to feel like this anymore. Yeah. There's, there's a time to process your emotions and then there's a time once they've been processed to fucking act upon, act yeah. upon them to, to change them. If you're not happy with where you are, you need to make, take action. Um, yeah, 100%. But what I actually want to speak about is something you mentioned at the start. You were saying, I think I'm going to contradict what you said. You basically said something along the lines of they kept using this one study to say that diets don't work. I think the research that I have looked at, and I mean, I haven't really looked at much of it since I stopped going to uni because 
that's not really to do with my clientele anymore. But the but the majority of the research does suggest that diets don't work. And that's why I think you get these PhD people who then adopt that because the, I think there's there's sort of like a in the scientific community. <laughs> it look like I just got off then. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong, Jack. I'm off. <laughs> um, in, in, the, in the scientific community, I think there's there's a lot of people who, or just in the world, there's a lot of people who just go off what they think, but nothing's proven, but they just, like, bro science dickheads. And then there's science people who just do exactly, you just believe exactly what science says. And then there's people in the middle who are a bit balanced, who use anecdotal evidence, who also draw conclusions from science and merge them together, which is sort of, I think, what is supposed to happen. Yeah. <laughs> what I try and do. But you get these PhD people who take it too far. So they're looking at science and not critically analysing it and not seeing the, the downfalls in these studies. And they're saying, oh, well, diets don't work. Therefore, forget about dieting. It's no one's fault. It's society's fault. It's this, this, and this. It's genetics. Yeah. It is what it is. Just get on with it. If you're fat, it's fine. Because they've assumed that diets don't work based on flawed science. And the science is flawed because diets do work. But when you look at scientific studies about weight loss, it's 1,000 calories, six weeks go, no aftercare. Of course, yeah. six months later, the person's obese again. That's that's my main gripe with, obviously, I haven't looked as much into the research. I've just, the references from this book was just the one study saying that, and they referenced the same study. That's what annoyed me as well. So you're saying there's a there's a whole body of yeah, yeah. evidence saying that diets don't work. It's just lazy. Like, <laughs> we found one study that supports what we're saying, so we're just going to reference that over and over and over again. <laughs> well, if there's more than one, that backs up your argument, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Diets don't work because when you conduct a study, 99% of the time it is we got this bunch of people to lose weight over this amount of time. Then we left them to go and live their life. We contacted all of these people six months or two years down the line and asked them how heavy they were and they were all heavy again. Right. Well, that's not, yeah, that's not how it works. Is it? Yeah. Like, no lifestyle factors were addressed. No relationship <laughs> with issues were addressed. Like you just starved a person for a few weeks measured the physiological changes and then just let them go free with still all of the psychological inhibitions that have got them to the point of being obese they still have those they still possess those and are therefore just going to revert back into the exact same behaviors which have made them obese in the first place probably even more so because they've been starved for six weeks or whatever it is and so and obviously we see the metabolic adaptation and all of that stuff and they just end up becoming obese again very very quickly and then you take that science and you look oh we did this diet every 98% of people failed so therefore diets don't work 98% of people regain the weight therefore diets don't work when in actuality if you were to look at if you if you were to take case studies from all of our clients ashes from australia yeah diets do work you haven't worked with her for how long and she's just saying six months and she's been continuing to lose weight she sent you a, a photo with abs, blown away that she's got abs. She was nowhere yeah. near that when she started. Like that was that that she's no longer dieting. Do you know what I mean? She's got to a happy place. 
the diet worked because the diet worked. You showed her how to diet and how to stick it through, even and when to end the diet. Through. That's what doesn't work is the when you go and it. I, I've spoke to you about this. I probably not spoke publicly about this. Um, I feel like I probably can now and just word it so that I don't not incriminate anyone, but don't say any of my clients' names or past clients' names. I've worked with some clients who have been clinically obese. I've been with obesity clinics in the NHS. I've either been pre-gastric um, surgery or post-gastric surgery who are then in a support network within the healthcare system being given advice by someone you would assume is an expert in this field. If you go to the doctors, you assume your doctor is the expert, don't you, when he's giving you health advice? So if you are in an obesity clinic, you assume that the people in the obesity clinic giving you the advice have got your best interests at heart and that they want you to succeed long-term. The information you provide, in my opinion, completely contradicts that. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not solely the fault of the people giving out the information. Obviously, the, N- the NHS is massively underfunded and they just don't have the, the resources to support someone in the way me or you would. Yeah. Constant contact, aftercare, teaching them how to actually break habits and, and build healthy routines and actually how to end a diet and live a healthy lifestyle. That being said... I've had multiple times and what I do with my clients, if they're, if they're in somewhere like an obesity clinic and they've got a dietitian from the NHS or, 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 or something like that working with them, I'll ask to contact them. So I'll ring their dietitian, make sure that we're both singing off the same song sheet. We're both given the same information so that the, the, the client patient's head isn't getting battered by two different people saying two different things. Rang the rang this dietitian NHS and asked her why she had my client, her patient, who was nearly 300 pounds in weight on 1,600 calories. Now, you and I both know 1,600 calories for someone who's 300 pounds, whether you're male or female, is, is far too low. Not realistic. She, a BMR, so the, the calories she burnt if she was in a coma, we're probably closer to two thousand, two and a half thousand, three thousand calories, somewhere around that, without using a load of scientific equipment to figure it out. Ballpark. I asked her, so why have you put it on sixteen hundred calories? The answer from the NHS dietitian at an obesity clinic was, well, we know the patients are going to fail and they're not going to stick to it, but at least if they stick to it for a couple of days, they might lose weight. Oh my god. I, I was speechless. Like, uh, what do you even say to that? What do you say to that? Fucking idiocracy. Like, that's actual idiocracy. We tell them to go on ridiculously low calories because we know they won't be able to stick to it. But at least if they stick to it for a couple of days, they might lose weight. Imagine, no, that, that in itself is shit anyway. Just the fact that, oh yeah, we'll just throw in this because they, they they won't stick to it anyway. Just the lack of effort to put in to get them to stick to it anyway, that's that's a joke. But also, just put yourself in the position of an obese person. You obviously don't want to be obese. You've gone to the NHS obesity clinic because you want 
to be healthy. You want to lose weight. Yeah. Imagine being told the only way for you to lose weight is to eat this ridiculously low amount of food. And you go, oh my God, that sounds horrible, but I'm going to try it anyway. And after two days, you give up. Imagine how shit you feel about yourself. You then lump yourself into the category of the person who's always going to be obese. If you think that's the only avenue for you yeah. to lose weight. That's, how soul, that's how soul crushing that's is that? Window. You're never trying to lose weight ever again. You you go further down in your downward spiral. Like dieting is hard for anyone. When you are obese, it's more than just eating a bit too much. The the psychological impact of it, you've got long-term habits that have caused you to do this. There are whether it's the way you've been raised, the like the people around you, this is stuff that you've habits that you're trying to break that you've had for 20, 30, maybe even 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. That alone is difficult to lose the amount of weight that you probably need to lose as someone who is clinically obese <coughs> to a healthy weight range is going to take a staggering amount of time. Mm. Longest I've probably dieted is six months. I've had clients who have been clinically obese who've had to diet for nine, 12, 18, 24 months longer to lose the weight that they want to lose to get to so the, the, the weight that they deem to be healthy. That, on top of breaking all of the habits and the, the routines that you've had for years, forming those, those new neurological pathways in your brain is fatiguing. Then the fact you've got the dietitians giving out terrible advice. And then you've got the fact that when you are, Clinically obese, like when there is that much adipose tissue, that excess body fat, everything is harder. Mm. Walking is harder. You're tired more. Socially, you feel more awkward. You're mentally drained because you don't feel good enough in yourself because of it. Mm. You don't feel hunger like other people feel hunger. You don't feel satiated like someone who doesn't who is, is weighs less than you would feel satiated. Mm-hmm. It's just like, and then that's that's the help they're getting. It's painful. This is why I love what I do. Yeah, and it's 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 funny because these people have gone to university and have studied for years and years and years, and are coming up with this shit. I mean, it's 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 like even just the fact that the only thing, the only bit of guidance they give them is right hit these calories. hit these hit these calories like going back to the the clients i spoke about before with the the 1600 whatever calories it was can i interrupt you by the way i've absolutely just i've got i've been given a cup of tea ah the tea and the tea and coaching podcast i feel disgusting (laughs) Uh, let's let's do the next episode earlier so we can both have a copy i feel like i've just ruined the whole series Let's just end the podcast now. Let's just stop doing them. Let's yeah, just stop yeah. do anymore. Yeah, let's just end it. <laughs> just delete the whole account off, off Spotify. <laughs> get rid of them all. Just get rid of them. <laughs> that was the line in the sand. He brought a cup of tea. We had a guest on once that brought a cup of tea. Remember? I can't remember who it was. 
Who was it? Was it Al? Al? No, it wasn't. He brought the coffee. Who was it? It was... No, 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 no. Lucy? It was Lucy. Lucy? Was it? Wait, no, Lucy wouldn't do it like that. Lucy likes her coffee. No, go on. Carry on with your points. I'm going to go back to anyway, the archives. You go figure that out. So, God, what was I going to say now? Talking about tea and I've lost me really interesting points. That was it. Welcome. So, dietitian for the obesity clinic, NHS obesity clinic. I had to highlight to the dietitian the my client slash her patient would need some form of behavioral therapy at some point during her journey to address some of the habits and relationships she has with food. Surely if you work, and I, like I said, is there, so on the phone call, I was like, look, there's been some red flags over the past couple of weeks with, with, with our, let's just call it our client because it was, her patient, my client. There's been some red flags for me as a coach over the past couple of weeks that this person's relationship with food is is not good. There's some really big red flags, like labeling certain foods as like the worst thing in the world, like massive amounts of guilt around eating certain foods, like punishing herself for, for certain things and starving themselves and then like completely overeating because of it like all the big red flags to a really poor relationship with food that are obviously part of the reason why this person was obese or was was clinically obese as someone who works in an obesity clinic it's got to be pretty common hasn't it pretty much all of your patients surely are gonna have some form of poor relationship with food and that's why they are where they are this is what's fucking terrible sorry have i interrupted you then just I've fin- very very nearly finished. Is I said to her on the phone, is there is there any sort of like other support like after she's had the surgery? Like so she has the surgery, she can't actually eat enough food because her stomach's now got this big. She's had a um the gland removed that produces ghrelin, so she doesn't actually feel hunger either. Yeah, part of the surgery, mad, I know. Um but at some point, we're going to need to address the behaviours because the behaviours are still going to be there. The, the thought processes are still going to be, be there. So is there, I said to her, is there any sort of, um, what do you call it, BPD? Is it BPD? Um, cognitive behavioural therapy sort of thing? C, yeah, C, CBD, cognitive behavioural therapy. CP, CBT, cognitive <laughs> behavioural therapy. I knew the words, I didn't know the acronym. Yeah, it says, is there any any sort of like like talking therapy or anything like that? Oh yeah, that 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 might be a good idea. That yeah, I'll um I'll I'll bring that up next time I see her. For fuck's sake! <gasps> this, this is what I was about to say. It's like this is the issue with with scientists and dietitians and like doctors and all of that. Like they don't have real in the trenches experience. And when we say in the trenches, I mean like actually working with people on a on a one to one basis. So, if anyone listening doesn't know, I was in uni, and I dropped out after a year and a half because I just thought it was fucking a joke. <laughs> I used to, so my course was nutrition, sports and nutrition for health. So a lot of it was the type of shit that we're talking about now, dealing with obese people, like dealing with societal pressures to be in shape, to de- dealing with sort of 
socioeconomic factors to why people are obese and like all of this basically what we've been talking about for this podcast and you get these lecturers who are going back to what I said at the start who are just talking about what the science says and oh the science says this and so we take it literally and we apply it and that's that and they don't have a holistic approach they don't have uh, any sort of like they just look at it from either a physiological point of view if they if that's where their scientific background comes from right calories if you're a dietitian slash calories that's it yeah. if you're uh if, if you're like a if you come from like a psychological background it's it's all that shit in the book diets don't work yeah. stop feeling bad just eat what you want and then it's but then when you actually so me was learning all this stuff but also had the experience working with people one-to-one and I'm thinking, well, no, like, yous are missing the fucking link. Like, there's one, yeah. there's, there's one thing, like, obviously, yeah, we need, we need to look after this, the physiological factors through nutrition. We need to look after that through activity and, and all of that stuff. But you also need to have a, an understanding of how to develop someone's psychological, how, how to, de- how to bring out the psychological um, changes. Yeah, how, how, how to change someone's routine, change someone's habits, yeah. actually get them into the routine where they're going to continue losing fat and get them to take responsibility like we were talking about at the start of, at the, start of the thing and how to, a big part of our job is to understand our clients and get them to understand themselves so that they can actually attack the programme. But these scientists don't understand that. And so I used to sit there pretty much every lecture and argue with with the lecturers <laughs> and it just got to the point i was I, I felt like i was talking to a fucking brick wall yeah they're all by the way obese which just in itself says everything you need to know like you're a nutrition lecturer and you're obese they were the people that are writing this book they were the type of people who write this book who who were not seeing the link so there was there was two ends of the spectrum: the dietitians who come from a physiological background, who were just very very scientific, and then the other side, the type of people who wrote wrote this book that Jack's talking about. And it was just like I was just sh- talking to a brick wall, and so I decided to leave. And it got to the point where I was so infuriated at the lack of understanding these people have, even though they've been studying the subject for fucking years, and dictating what degree programs look like and they have fucking no clue what they're talking about yeah i've been a pt for two years and i've changed more lives than you have yeah i think it's important i i want to kind of jump in from the holistic kind side of side of things there as well though is that neither of us are saying that everyone has to look a certain way that you all have to weigh no no no. x amount you've all got to be like if you're if you're what if you're happy with how you look, whether you like whatever you weigh, great. Yeah. You're not you're not what we're talking about. If you're clinically obese and you're absolutely sound with that and you don't care about the potential health risks down the line and you couldn't give a fuck and you're dead happy in your body, great. Fucking you go and do you. This isn't about you. This is not what we're talking about. The people we're talking about now that this is important for other people that aren't happy. Mm. The people who look in the mirror, who put on their clothes in the morning, who are deeply unhappy inside 
and a part of why they're deeply unhappy is because of the amount of body fat that they have. Mm-hmm. So when they go to change that body weight, when they want to remove the potential health risks of being obese, they're met with more challenges. There's more challenges than than are needed. Mm-hmm. They're told it's not their responsibility, and they're told that if they want to take responsibility, they have to do this ridiculous approach to dieting. Yeah. And then when they they either fail and feel terrible, or they succeed and get no aftercare and fail again and feel even worse. And it's it's atrocious. So I think I I feel like we we can we can wrap this episode up. But I think the the biggest things that I want everyone to take from this is whatever situation you find yourself in, it's your responsibility. You have complete control over the direction that you move in, whether that's becoming a healthy weight from being clinically obese or whether that's being you're really skinny at the minute, you want to build lots of muscle, whether that's you're poor right now, you can't afford to pay the bills and you're in massive debt to being a millionaire, you can do it. You're in control of that. It just means that you have to do the shit <clears throat> properly, seek the right help, seek the correct route, and don't listen to idiots who don't know what they're talking about. The biggest one, the biggest one. Yes. Stop listening to idiots. Is like the biggest takeaway from this whole episode. <laughs> Stop listening to Muppets. Shall you put that as the as the title? Yeah. Yeah, that's nice that. Diets do work. Stop listening to idiots. Diets do. Diets do work. Nah, do you know what I think we I mean we're still recording this, is still part of the episode. Everyone's gonna hear this, but if they've made it this far in, it's too late anyway. Yeah. I think we should do a really clickbaity yeah. title today. Because this has been a fantastic episode. So I want as many people as I can to, to listen to it. Have you got anything in mind though? Should we should we end recording everything? Yeah, let's just wrap it up there. We'll do our nice little wrap up to the end of the podcast and we'll brainstorm some clickbaity um clickbaity titles. And then everyone who's listened to the podcast can all get to the end and be like, fuckers, they come up with a really good title and now we'll listen to it all, but it was worth it because the podcast was boss. Yeah, I enjoyed this one. Um Thank you, everyone, for watching or listening, if you listened. And if you've got questions, you want to pick our brains on anything at all, or you just want to tell us how boss we are doing podcasts, then drop either me or Isaac a message. You can message me at Jack Silverjacks on Instagram. You can reach Isaac at... Coach.Kamara. Reach out. We love to chat shit, as you can tell. We do. We love it. We will see you all in the next episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you, guys.